Thanks for listening to the Pioneer Valley Church podcast. Our hope is that what you hear encourages your faith in the way of Jesus and inspires you to participate in what God is up to in the world. God bless. So the title of my sermon is The Third Sign, A Life of Active Faith. We're going to be in John 5 for the majority of the sermon, if you guys want to turn there. Um, And I'm very excited. Uh, So I'm going to read verses 1 to 9 and make sure this clicker works. It does. And hopefully that's big enough to read. Um, Okay. So in verses 1 to 9, it says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. And when the water is stirred while I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. So I was reading this scripture and I was planning on using it for my sermon and it made it in. But when I first took a look at it, um, I didn't fully discover. I was meeting with Elias to talk about the sermon and I was treating this like a very normal story. And Elias quickly pointed out to me that this is such a weird story in the Bible. If you look around the Bible, there's in verse four, which actually isn't included in the NIV, it talks about this angel coming down and stirring the water. And I read that and I was like, cool, God's awesome. Angel comes down, stirs the water. It's all good. And Elias was like, no, that's crazy. Like an angel comes down and he stirs the water. And I was like, right. I can't get used to this. This is weird. And I need to figure it out. And so when I uh, kind of dug into the book of John a little bit more, um, they actually have excavated this pool. And so I imagined it as kind of like a lake with little coverings around it. It's an actual two, a North pool and a South pool with five covered areas around it. And they've excavated it. It, It's actually near the temple. As you can see, it's within the city limits. Like this, is a place in Jerusalem, which is like a hub of this time where in my mind, everyone should be. But really it seems that only the lime, the, the lime, the lame, the blind, the paralyzed, they are present there because they want to see change in their lives. And this pool is a place that I have grown used to reading the gospel of John, but this is a weird spot in the book of John. And as we look at the book of John, it's a weird book in itself. It doesn't rely on miracles or parables. Although it does have miracles, it relies on seven main signs to drive home its main point. And these seven main signs are Jesus turning water into wine, healing an official son, healing a a disabled man at the pool, feeding the 5,000, walking on water, healing a man born blind, and raising Lazarus from the dead. And as I was reading and researching this, some theologians argue that Jesus rising is a sign in itself, and there's an eighth sign. Nevertheless, though, John's book stands alone in its gospel message. And it's addressed uh, by the Apostle John to disciples that are living in Asia Minor. And 
all these attack, all these, um, sorry, all these signs attack belief in a different way. They all point to a different aspect of belief and try to get us, the reader, to grow in our faith and our belief in Christ in a different way. And so as we look at um, this story, um, it kind of popped into my head. So if John really does want to emphasize belief, why is he writing to disciples? Because in my mind and what I've been taught and what I've been trained in is that belief is kind of an early step in the process. We believe in Christ and then we confess, repent, and are baptized. And that's, that's a great path, but belief goes a lot deeper than I believe Christ is the Messiah, right? Belief, it, de- it delves into faith and it goes into two categories that I found, passive faith and active faith. There it is. Awesome. And passive faith believes God can do something, right? So as we look at passive faith, we truly believe that God can do something, but we don't do a lot with that, right? We become complacent waiting for God to show himself to us. And we have doubt that it will truly happen rather than active faith, which is what John, using this story, is trying to get us to develop. And this idea of active faith is believing God not can do something, but will do something in our lives. And it allows us, it changes us, and it allows us to do lots with that faith and chase after the goal, not apart from God, not in spite of God, but with God. And the entire message of John as he tries to promote this belief. The entire purpose of John is summarized in John 20, verses 30 to 31, where it says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So this belief, it's no longer just a passive faith that we believe Christ is the Messiah but it's rather an active faith where we believe he's the Messiah and that prompts us to take the next step with active faith and change our actions. And so as we look back at this story, this idea of passive and active faith truly changes the, the meaning I got out of this story. Okay. So as Jesus goes and he approaches this man, this invalid. Uh, He says, do you want to get well? And the other way the Greek can translate that is, do you intend to become whole? And as this man is sitting on the edge of the pool, he's been an invalid for 38 years, and this man comes up to him and has the audacity to say, do you ever intend to become whole? Do you ever intend to take that next step into the water? Right, And as we look in verse 7, the man very clearly tries to plead his case. He says, sir, I have no one to help me get down into the water. I can't get down into the water myself. I've tried and I've tried, but I simply cannot reach this goal alone. He says, I need supplementation. I need something more than the gift before me to help me achieve it. He says, I can't do it with just this. I need something else. I need more. And as we go into 2024, and we often reflect on our past year, we can very easily take on this mindset, right? So as we reflect on our past year, we we see a lot of great things, but we also very commonly reflect on the bad. We look at where we fell short, the actions and words we wish we could take back, the sins we committed that carry shame in our lives, 
And then Jesus comes up to us and he asks us, do you ever intend to become whole? Do you ever intend to become whole? And we look at him and we say, Jesus, I prayed. I had faith. I had my quiet times. I read my Bible, even took notes sometimes. I'm really, really working and nothing seems to be changing my life. The goals in my life seem to be getting not closer, but maybe further away than they were at the beginning of this year. And we feel shame. We feel lost and we don't know where to go. But we do know that maybe it's not with Jesus. Maybe that's what we're starting to feel as we reflect on the hard times of this past year, right? Sometimes we look at Jesus when we're trying to get somewhere and we simply can't, and we say, I need more than your love. I need more than your help. I need more than your plan because it's not coming to fruition in my life. I need more and I wish I had it. And that's where we start to look elsewhere, right? And this idea of resolutions seems to come up often at the end of the year. Maybe they're, uh, many of them are harmless and they're just fun, but some of them are just quick fixes to true pain and hurt we have in our hearts that we are unwilling to dig up and really do the hard work to excavate properly. Right? We want to see change in our lives, and yet when the time comes at the end of the year, when we see it clearly and we want to grow and we have this motivation, rather than applying that to hard work, we can very easily put a quick patch over it. The problem is these never seem to really work. As you look at what Ohio, Ohio State did a study, they said 23% of resolutions, almost a quarter, fell in a week. They said 43 fail in a month and 91% fail overall, right? So (laughs) thank you, Josh. So clearly there's something that needs to change apart from resolutions if we want to come to find change in our lives. But the truth is when the resolutions don't work and we don't find that hope in Jesus, we start to lose that motivation. We lose that faith and it turns into this idea of passive faith. Where we look elsewhere, we go outside to find fulfillment. We try to put covers over our pain and it leads us actually away from God. It it tricks us into lies that pull us away from God. A faith in his plan becomes less and less prominent in our minds and we get further and further from the goal because we're no longer trusting in God with our faith. But how did we develop passive faith, right? The invalid didn't just show up to the water believing nothing would change, right? When the invalid shows up to the water for the first time, he's excited, he's ready, he wants to see change in his life and he feels that he's found the true solution. He feels that he's found the way to his new life. He started with 100% active faith in this pool. And over time, the the angel comes down, they stir the water, and as they stir the water, more and more active faith seems to come up. We're getting ready to get in the water, and then someone else gets in. And it goes down a little bit, and a little bit turns into passive faith. And then the next time the water gets stirred, the angel comes down, you're getting ready to get in the water, more and more active faith, and then someone else gets in. And over time and over time, more and more of our active faith through seeing no change in our lives, turns into passive faith. And that's what happened with this invalid. After 38 years of being an invalid, he felt that there was no change coming for him. All his active faith 
had turned into passive faith. He knew that, yes, it can happen, but he no longer had faith that, yes, it's going to happen for me. And maybe that's our story sometimes, right? As we, as we watch our kids grow up, if you have kids, as you, as you go through your school year and you watch your grades go down, whatever stage of life you're in, as you're hoping for something and it doesn't come to fruition, more and more of our active faith, the motivation, the drive to create change fades to passive faith. And we simply say, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to hope it comes true. And when it doesn't, I'm going to start looking to other things. I'm going to start looking to other things to make this faith seem true in my mind, to put a patch over the pain, to leave the change uncovered, but cover it with a tarp. Right? And as we reflect on our past year, this is sometimes the role resolutions can fill. Right before my journey in the church, right, entering the senior year of high school, I was doing great. I had, I was doing awesome, but I found all my motivation, all my purpose, and all my drive in relationships, whether that be friends or girls or something else. Right, I found my purpose and my drive to change in relationships. Enter two months into senior year, and all those were gone. All that purpose, all that motive, all that drive was gone, and I was left destitute. I had no idea where to go and I was confused and I wasn't sure what happened. And if it wasn't for a five foot Kieran Sharma, I wouldn't be here today. Right. But luckily she helped me find that active faith. She brought me here. Johnny and Kevin walked with me through learning the Bible and my active faith for the first time was released. Right? And this is where Jesus, he comes down, the man, he, he says, I, I need more. The invalid says, I need more. And Jesus says, then get up and walk. Right? This is where Jesus comes in and he proves to this invalid, he's like, I have what you need. I have what you're looking for and you keep spending time looking other places for. I have it. So get up and walk. Right? We have this amazing explosion of active faith in our lives that creates true change and creates a true happiness and purpose in our life. It happens at baptism. It happens when you have a kid, maybe. Again, I'm not sure about the kid thing. Um, I'm not sure. I'm taking a guess. Josh gave me the all clear. We're good. It happens when you have a kid. Maybe it happens when your kid gets baptized. Jamie? Yup, awesome. So see, the kid's a big thing. But also in our lives, right, as you graduate, as you see God move, we have releases of active faith that allow us to continue with God for a certain amount of time. It occurs first for many of us when we find God. When we find God for the first time. If you've been baptized, you can relate to you know, you get baptized and you come out of the water and you're explosive, you're happy, you're ready to serve. And we realize for the first time that our life is truly only going to change when we pursue God and pursue life with God using an active faith, right? That's our kind of first memories of having that active faith when we come out of the waters and have that changed life. But for some reason, again, all of us who have been baptized can, can say, okay, but 
maybe like the next day or two days later, we're like, okay, some of that seems to be gone already. That, that new life is still exciting, but something has changed. And then months and years pass, and the active faith seems to have rescinded. We don't feel sometimes that we're living that life that first occurred at baptism. We feel lost, we feel confused, we feel tired, we feel pain, and we're not sure if this whole church baptism, walking with Jesus thing is the way to true change because we haven't felt that active faith in so long. And the reason is this path, this battle is very cyclical. This Jesus saying walk does not occur once in our lives. The Jesus saying walk occurs every day in our lives if we truly want to walk with an active faith. Right? I, I got baptized, and it didn't take long for this to kick in for me. So I got baptized, and I wanted to serve. Everyone told me to serve, so I was like, I'm going to serve. And I'm getting time with like two or three uh, people a day. I'm kind of in a competition with whose schedule can be busier with Kieran. And we're just really trying to serve. And Steve Miller pulls me aside at a teen event, and he says, who's filling you up? Are you truly walking with God? Who is helping you? And I was like, Steve, I'm fine, man. I'm having a great time. I just got baptized. Nothing can go wrong. <laughs> Nothing ever. Cut to two months later, and I'm like, I've had no solid quiet times. I'm still getting time with people, and I feel disconnected, and I'm solely running off my power. Because I hadn't walked. I, I walked, and then I sat down, and that active faith seemed to leave. Right? I don't know what happened. Um, but it's a, I, the burnout kicked in. Right, and the passive faith takes over. Yeah. And then we're confused on where to go. But luckily, again, this is a cyclical process. We find God, we find a reason to get up and walk. But we see that this man, right, this man's an invalid. He's been there 38 years. There's false prophets all around at this time. And someone tells him to walk. In no way did he have to get up and walk. In no way did he have to follow these commands of Christ. But he chose to because he was going to give one more shot. He was going to use this last hope, this last effort to walk and hopefully find that change life, find that active faith. But we can say no sometimes, right? As we think about our decisions and we think about when we're feeling that passive faith, when we're feeling that burnout, when we're not sure where to go, sometimes we get presented an opportunity and we don't always have the faith to say yes. We don't always have the faith to say, okay, I'm going to try and pick up my mat. That's because the mat is what keeps us complacent. You know, often I, I've never thought about the mat in this story, but as I reflected on it, it's the thing that keeps us just complacent enough, just okay enough with where we are to keep us there, to get us to say no to Jesus, to say, I'm comfortable here. Do you want to get well? Sometimes our answer is no, because we're comfortable enough in our position and we're not always looking for that active faith. What's holding you back in your life? in your discipleship, keeping you in that area of passive faith, right? These are the things that hold us back, that, that keep us from finding God, from running with God, and keep us waiting, doubting, complacent. And that's not where we want to be, 
right? As we look at, uh, at the response of the invalid, one thing that struck me is he actually, he never said yes to Jesus. Do you want to get well? He never said yes because he was so struggling in his faith. He was so overwhelmed with passive faith that the idea of answering that question honestly didn't even come to his mind. And that can be us. I'm not neglecting that we have hard times. But it's when we truly strive to find that active faith and pick up our mat that we find God in that active faith. But clearly, right, I'm talking about this cycle. This can't be the message of John. The message of John cannot be walk, burn out, have passive faith for a couple months, and then find God again. That can't be the gospel message. That can't be John's point. And luckily it's not. Rodney's right. It's in verse 14 to 15. We see this response from Jesus again to the invalid. In verse 14, it says, later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So we don't know what happened to this man. He was healed, he started to walk, and we have no idea after that. But we do know what Jesus' intention for his life is, his intention for us to follow as we read this. It was very easy for me when I first started reading this to read this as a threat, to read this as a, you better stop or else, right? That's not Jesus' message. This is an idea of continue in your active faith. So this, this idea of Matthew 12, a demon leaving and bringing back its friends doesn't start. Right? We want to walk with Jesus in this active faith for the long haul. We want to walk with Jesus in this active faith to find the true change, to dig up the hard times for a long time, not for weeks and months at a time, but rather for a lifetime. Right? We want to walk with God. We want to walk with him permanently in active faith, not letting passive faith creep in. But we need to know why. We need to know why we're going to walk in active faith. We need to know why we need to have a motivation or else nothing is going to maintain. Right? Michael Burns talks about this idea of a motivating conviction, a conviction that is far off but has a motivating factor in the present. Because if we simply have a long-term conviction, it fades in hard times. And if all we have is a motivation, when we're thinking about the future, that fades because we're not sure where to go. But this idea of a motivating conviction seems to kick in. Right? And this is an idea where, okay, we want change now, and we want to go somewhere later. Right? So as we're thinking about the invalid here, this idea of the motivating conviction kicks in because as people who are striving for an active faith, striving to make it to heaven, the active faith piece is the motivator. Right? Because the activating faith, the active, nope, lost it, sorry. The activated faith, is what allows us to find the change we're looking for, right? So as you reflect on your own life, as you reflect on your year and you're looking for change, you're looking to find change in your life, it's not gonna come from resolutions. It's not gonna come from quick fixes. It's gonna come from long-term walking with God and allowing him and your walk with him to exploit pain, to exploit weakness, and to heal it with God. Right? Because we need that motivating conviction. We need to continually get up and walk. Right? So as 
to close here, as we're thinking about walking, right, we need to understand where we're walking to, right? We need to understand where we're going. Because John, again, his whole point was to promote belief. His whole point was to promote belief in Christ to get us somewhere. With the invalid, it was to unleash this active faith so we can go somewhere, Right? And in John 20, you know, his central message, his central point, he again shows us where he wants us to go. In John 20, verse 31, it says, But these are in that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. That is the best part about this. Yeah. We're walking to a place where we have life in Jesus' name. Right? And I found, um, again, in a commentary, this idea of what it means to have life in Jesus' name. It means a real and genuine life, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God, blessed in the portion even in this world of those who put their trust in Christ. But after the resurrection to be consummated by new accessions, among them a more perfect body and to last forever. So this does promise in that definition of life, it does promise this next phase where we, we go to heaven, we're resurrected, and we get all this new stuff. But unfortunately, that's really far away. And we want to have something to keep us going now. We want to have something to keep us fighting now. And that is this promise of the life you can have today. The promise of the life you can have on this earth today. It says a life that is active, genuine, real, vigorous, and devoted to God. These are all attributes that I hope to have in my life. And as you're thinking, maybe you're thinking, I, you don't have some of these in your life. I know I'm missing some of these in my life. You know, the idea of a vigorous life sounds awesome. The idea of a life truly devoted to God every day sounds awesome. And that's where our active faith can take over and bring us there. Our active faith leads us to this life. But we need to want to see that change. You know, working with the teen minister, I've had the pleasure of seeing active faith take over in some of our teens' lives. I've seen in, um, his name's Warren Molitor. He's having, I love Warren. I love Warren. He's having, so he, we were getting time and he was telling me, you know, he's having trouble fitting in his daily time with God because of a rigorous schedule. So I made him get up at 5.30 every morning and we prayed together. I was like, you're gonna wake up at 5.30. He was like, okay, I'm ready. And it was awesome. And guess what? I don't wake up most of the time, but Warren does. And Warren prays and Warren reads his Bible. And I've seen this active faith be released in him through devoting his life to God. He's unleashed it and now is living a life of service and wanting to grow towards God. Right, I've seen Jake Miller. Jake wants to see change. Jake wants to see growth. And him and one of his friends in Boston have started a nightly, everyday meeting to just talk with other disciples who are in their same life stage and walk together. Right? This idea of wanting a vigorous and active life devoted to God. Two days ago, Steve Miller and his men's group that he created in East Long Meadow hosted 40 teens and parents to have an amazing basketball event where we could build community and build linkages between people and families and communities so we can rely on each other and further walk towards Christ with an active faith. 
The Troopers have shepherded the campus ministry for two years and walked with us through all our bad decisions and all our tough times. And they've, through their active faith, they've been able to create it in our ministry and walk with us. Right, the change we want to see, the active faith we want to see in our lives is on display all around us. Right? It's on display in the people we love and care about and the people we want to become like. They have that active faith that we're searching for. Right, so if you're here and you're new, I want to urge you, ask the person who brought you, ask someone reasonably nice looking, there's a lot of us, I hope, um, and, and ask them to show you God. Ask them to help you unlock that active faith. Right? And if you've been here and you're not sure where to go, you're having trouble releasing that active faith, you're, having, you're feeling like you're having a lot of passive faith, that's where our brothers and sisters come in to help us walk, to help us find God, to find that active faith, right? to find that true, genuine, devoted, active life that we want to be living. But how, right? How do we get there? That comes from deep um, investigation into the scriptures and really looking at your heart through prayer and reading and investigating the true wounds and pain and growth you're hoping to see. The only way that this active life will come to fruition is through really investigating and assessing and contemplating through scripture and prayer where to go. Right? So active faith is where we find that change. Active faith is where we find that change. As we go into the new year, let's be looking to find that life of active faith, that life that is truly devoted to God. Amen. Thank you.